The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To His majesty He can save you from the might Of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. How is it that a young man How is it that a young man can go on the internet, on the YouTube, and within four or five months have three hundred and fifty thousand subscribers? How does that happen? Well, he was very articulate. He had good information. And people enjoyed listening to him. Because their interest was in real estate. They were thinking of selling their home or of buying a home. How is it that the National Prayer Chapel that this broadcast can be on the air day after day after day, and we only have about a little under 700 subscribers. Well, I understand. I'm not talking about things that most people want to talk about or think about. I'm not speaking about a sentimental kind of religion a Santa Claus religion, a make-believe. Everything is going wonderfully, and you're loved, and you're cherished, and today is your day, and you can make it. I don't talk like that, do I? Almost every person I speak with today I find to be extremely shallow in what they think about, what they're concerned about. I understand that, too. I've struggled with, how do I use my mind? And sometimes I just don't want to think about the big issues, the serious things of life. I want to just enjoy some time of quiet. But very quickly then, my mind turns back to Jesus. And my mind quickly turns back to his coming, which is right at the door. I love to ask people questions. I ask questions like, what are you thinking about? Oh, I was just thinking about how pretty the sky is, how red the leaves are. 
what are you thinking about? Oh, I don't know. I was just, I don't know. What do you mean, what was I thinking about? Or I'll ask people, what is it you really want in your heart? Oh, I want a good American life. I want peace. I want I want to be happy. I, I just want to be, I just want to be happy. And most people, as I talk with them, they're thinking about their entertainment. They're thinking about a YouTube video. They're thinking about a vacation they have planned. Or they're, <clears throat> they're thinking about some past event. Or as one woman said to me, Pastor, I daydream all the time. That's how I spend my time. Well, today, she's not daydreaming much anymore. She has Alzheimer's in a nursing home. Never really got serious. And now she can't get serious. Now she doesn't even recognize herself. You know, this broadcast is not for shallow people. This broadcast is not for people who don't want to think and who don't want to examine carefully where they're going. It's not a broadcast for people who don't want to face reality. It's for people who are deep and who want to go deeper. It's for people who want to cry out deep unto deep and find that place in Jesus where there is absolute peace and rest. It's not for the people who just want to fool around with life, have a good time, not ask the tough questions. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people have cut me off because I keep asking questions. Inquiring mind wants to know. I can't live unconsciously. Do you know what I mean? I read the scriptures and it pierces my heart. And I see the reality of what's happening. And I see the judgment bar of Jesus. How can I be casual? I'm on my way to the judgment bar of Jesus. Where I will be accountable for what I have done and said. Whether I have carried out his direction and his mandate in my life. What is Jesus' mandate in your life? Do you recognize that you are not your own? You were bought at a price. And that if you do not recognize Jesus, you have stolen yourself. You're a thief. You belong to Jesus. Whether you admit that or not, <clears throat> it's immaterial whether you admit that. 
except for where you'll end up. Now, there's another interesting part of all of this. Is the law of God still binding on the human race? And I'm going to answer that unequivocally. The law is still in full effect for the human race. And every man and every woman, every boy and every girl will be judged by that moral code of God. You will face the judgment bar of God. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery or be sexually unclean. Don't use the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't curse. Don't set up idols for yourself. Enter into the rest of Jesus All of these are very real. And you will be judged for eternity based on how you have responded to that law of God. Now, is that law of God binding on every person on the earth? No, it's not. I'm going to share some of that with you today. You have two choices. You can come under the law and it will judge and condemn you and sentence you to eternal punishment. Or you can come to Jesus Christ. And there you are no longer under the law, but you are directed by the Holy Spirit. Does that mean you are free to break the law? No, if you break the law, you are no longer under Jesus Christ's blood and mercy. You are called to live a righteous and holy life by the power of the blood of Jesus, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you those things. I want to first just share a summation of what I'm going to say to you. Jesus is literally the end of the law for righteousness. Righteousness never came by way of the law. Righteousness only comes by way of Jesus Christ. Romans 10.4. I'm going to turn to several scriptures. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is an end of the law for righteousness to everyone believing. So Christ is the end of the law for those who will believe in Jesus Christ. It is not the end of the law for the shallow person who's more concerned about where they're going to eat and what they're going to wear for the person who's concerned about their vacation They're concerned about the car they drive or the house they live in. They're concerned about the the TikToks. They're concerned about their videos. They're concerned about all of the shallow stuff of life. They're under the law. Now, it seems that we live without any penalty for our sins. 
That's only because they're delayed penalty, hoping that you will repent and turn to Jesus. So Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. We are led by the Spirit, and when we are led by the Spirit, we are not under law. Let me look at that with you in the book of Galatians. Let me look at that very carefully. Now I say to you, this is Galatians 5, verse 16. Now I say you must walk in the Spirit, and you absolutely cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh, fallen nature. Now the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. What do I mean? I want what I want. I'm going to go do my deal. I'm in charge of my own life. You're not in charge of me, God. I'm an independent operator. I make my own way. No. You fight against the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and your flesh, your will, your ways. Fight against God. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you are not led by the Holy Spirit, you are under the law. Now, the works of the flesh, the natural man, are manifestations which are And I'm going to read you the hit list that the Apostle Paul gives us in Galatians that tell us that you are under the law and will be judged by the law and will be penalized. Sentence will be passed upon you. See, when I was just a young man, just a junior in college, had just finished my junior year. I was invited to take a pastorate in Washington, Pennsylvania for summer. And I was to live with a family in Washington who were Christians, I was told. But as soon as I was shown to my guest room, I went downstairs and the television was on and I said to them, do you mind if we turn the television off and have a a time of prayer and fellowship together? They looked at me like I was from Mars. That was a, a whole new concept for them. But because I was pastor and a guest in their home, they grudgingly turned the television set off. And I said, okay, let's pray. So I began to pray earnestly. And I prayed for them earnestly, crying out to God, asking that, While I was in their home, they would be blessed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. When I finished praying, neither one of them prayed. And I finally said, don't either one of you want to pray? No, Pastor, we don't pray out loud. We we just pray quietly. I said, oh, is your heart warm toward God? 
Well, no, not particularly. Well, what do you think about during the day? Are you concerned about your standing before God? Well, no. Well, what do you do all day? Well, we go shopping and and we go here and we go there and we watch the television. I said, do you take time to read your Bible? Well, no, Pastor, we don't. I said, wait a minute. You're part of the church that I'm supposed to be pastoring. Are you like most people in that church? Well, yeah, I, I think we are. I said, well, well, do do you fast? Well, pastor, no. Why would we fast? Well, that began a very, very painful few months of the summer as I lived with this couple, constantly asking them questions, constantly calling them to pray with me. They were most uncomfortable. And of course, the report that they sent in to the conference was that I was a fanatic. That I was always asking them about Jesus. That I was always wanting to pray. And I'd take time to fast. And I was always in my room reading the Bible and they could hear me praying in there. Well, I found the church to be pretty much what they were. And then when I got acquainted with the senior pastor, when he returned, I found he was pretty much like his members were. It almost caused me to change and not become a pastor. It frankly terrified me for the church. I find that still true in the church. The works of the flesh are manifestations which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, indecency. What do I mean indecency? I'm going to be very blunt with you. A a member of the church came to me and she said, Pastor Ray, I'm really embarrassed, but I need to ask you a question. As you know, I recently had a baby. And now all my husband wants to do every night is have anal sex. I said, what? That's sodomy. Well, he says, whatever we do between us is okay. No, it's not. Sodomy is sin. It is ugly. It is dehumanizing. It is wrong. Between any people, it's indecency. Idolatry witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, 
strife, dissensions, false teachings, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, or party time with loud shouts and drunkenness and things similar to these, which things I told you before, even as I said before, that the ones practicing such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, paying attention to these manifestations of wickedness will result in your being under the law Even though you have a sentimental religion, you are under the law, and it will condemn you to hell. Against, and then, but the fruit of the Spirit is is love, and joy, and peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. In fact, the ones who are of Christ crucified the flesh with the passions and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, we should also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Now, what I'm trying to say to you today is that when we come out from under the law, we come out from under the shallowness and the wickedness of our culture, and our whole heart now stretches toward Jesus. Our heart doesn't stretch toward darkness. Our heart doesn't stretch toward the lust of our heart. Our our whole body, mind, and soul stretches toward Jesus Christ. We are absorbed with Jesus. He is the one we desire. And all sin is removed from our heart and our life by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus saves completely, totally now. There's no such thing in the scripture as imputed grace. It's always imparted grace. It's always regenerative grace. It's always grace that changes us and transforms us and turns us into a person with a new character. The old things are gone. The new has come. No, the law was meant to guide us to Jesus. Let me read that for you. Galatians, the third chapter. I'll begin reading in verse 23. Now before the faith came, we used to be kept under law, having been shut up in the faith, being destined to be revealed. So that the law has been a guide to Christ, that we may be made righteous by faith. 
That's to be made righteous for real. But after the faith having come, we're no longer under the guide or no longer under the law. Indeed, you are sons of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. See, it's not enough to be baptized. You can be put under the water. But you have to put on Jesus Christ. There's not Jew, nor Greek, nor servant, neither free man. There's not male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are of Christ, then you are of the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. So let's be clear. In Jesus Christ, there's not black or white. There's not male or female. In Christ, we're all one. So we're not against one another. We're for one another. We help one another. We encourage one another. Now, I want to take you to the scripture. If you please, today's simply an introduction. Jesus has been spending now over three years with his disciples. They've gone with him everywhere. They've slept together outside on the mountain. They've stayed in the homes of Peter and others in Galilee, in Capernaum, They have walked the dusty roads of Samaria. They know Jesus. And they love him with all their heart. That is, all except Judas. Judas has a separate agenda. He wants power. He wants money. He wants recognition. Jesus now begins to tell them that that he's going to go away, that he's going to have to leave them. They're brokenhearted. They're very concerned. Where are you going? What are you, what's happening? What's going to happen to us? What do we do without you? It looks as though All of their hopes and dreams are being dashed on the rocks. I want to tell you, please hear me. Any person who decides to be serious about following Jesus is going to have their dreams dashed on the rocks. Their whole life will transform and change. They'll have different goals. They'll have, they'll have different desires. 
They no longer will follow the desires of their flesh. They will now follow Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says to them in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, Your heart must not be troubled. It's a command. Look, do not sink down in despair. Don't be troubled. Listen. You must believe in God and you must believe in me. You're not on, you're not on thin ice here. You know me. We've walked together. You've seen the miracles. You've seen the evidence that I am God. You have confessed that I am God. You believe in God. Now put your confidence in me also. We're going to go through this together. And he says, there are many dwelling places in my father's house. If not, I would have told you. I'm not planning something here separate from you. I want you with me. I love you. We're family. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And even if I may go and may prepare a place for you, I am coming again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Do you see why I spend so much of my time thinking about Jesus? I'm going to see him again. He's coming in the clouds of glory. I'm going to spend eternity with him. My home is not the grave. My home is with Jesus. I want to find every possible way to please him and to serve him. I love him. He is my all in all. He's everything to me. I've always wanted to take a trip to Glacier National Park. I'd like to see again the grandeur of the Grand Canyon. I love the Grand Canyon. I've never ridden the donkey down into the canyon. I'd love to do that before it's beyond my ability to do. There are places I'd love to go and see, and why don't I do it? I'm I'm old enough. I could retire. Why don't I go do it? Why am I still here talking on the radio, talking on on the YouTube? Well, because my life's not ending. My life is just beginning. I'm going to go with Jesus. I'm soon going to be out of here. And now I don't have time to go to Glacier National Park. I don't have time to go to the Grand Canyon unless Jesus sends me there for some reason. But my time, my, my energy, my, my thoughts, my desire of my heart is all caught up in the coming of Jesus. If I were to go and visit the Grand Canyon, I know what would absorb my thoughts. I wouldn't be looking a whole lot at the Grand Canyon. I'd be 
looking a whole lot at the creator of the Grand Canyon. My thoughts are consumed with Jesus. And so, if I were with you, I would immediately begin to ask you questions like, are you okay with Jesus? And you'd say, oh yeah, I'm okay with Jesus. Well, what makes you think you're okay with Jesus? Do you have anything in your life that stands between you and Jesus? I'm even apt to ask someone that in the line at the grocery store. Over and over, people say to me, Oh, I'm not right with Jesus yet. There's still things in my life I want to deal with. I'm a, I'm a work in progress. Well, no, you're not. <laughs> not if there's something between you and Jesus. That thing will stand between you and put you under the law. You've got to get rid of that. That means humbling your heart before God. It means believing that he is who he said he is. That he's gone to heaven, and in that place right now, he's preparing a place for you, and he's going to come again. And he wants to take you to heaven with him. And then he said, and you know where I'm going, and you know the way. And Thomas speaks up and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And and how do we know the way? And Jesus answers in such a astonishing way. You could spend a week just thinking about this. Jesus said to him, I am the way. Literally, I am the path. I'm the road. How do I get to New York? Well, just follow Jesus. He's he's the highway. I'm the path. And I'm the truth. And I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now let's be very clear. Jesus is saying that there is only one way to the Father. It's not Islam. It's not Buddhism. I have a lot of respect for some of the beliefs of Buddhism. I have respect for many of the beliefs of Islam. But they're not the way to the Father. They're good self-help beliefs. Hinduism. I know people who are Hindus are kind, generous, loving people. But they're not on the way. They're still under the law. Whether they know it or not, they are still under law and will be condemned in the end because there's only one way to Jesus, one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. He says, if you had known me, 
You had also known my father, and from now on you know him and have seen him. And Philip says to him, Lord, you make the father known to us, and it's sufficient for us. In other words, show us the father. And Jesus says to him, I'm with you so long a time, and yet you've not known me, Philip? The one having seen me has seen the father. And so how do you say you must make the father known to us? Do you not believe that I am in union with the father and that the father is union with me? The rhemas that I speak to you, or the words I speak to you, I speak not from myself, but from the Father, the one aiding in union with me. He himself does the works. Now, we really need to get a hold of that. It's an astonishing statement. The Father is doing the work of healing and resurrection through Jesus Christ. How? Because they're in union with each other. It is this union that we are invited to enter into with God the Father and God the Son. We are invited to be a part of this union But if you're in union with all of the casual entertainment of the day, you can never go deep enough to understand this union of which I speak. You have to go deep. Deep calls to deep. My heart, when it's filled with shallowness, cannot hear the deep calling to me. You have to turn off the TV. You have to turn away from all of the entertainment of the day. It's not designed to bring you deep in the spirit so that you can hear God calling after you. When you're fascinated by the entertainment of our day, Or like one man that I know, all he wants to talk about every time we were together, all he wanted to talk about was the stock market and how to predict it because he wanted to make a billion dollars. When you're in this kind of shallowness, when your heart is set on the real estate market, when your heart is set on the stock market, when your heart is set on that second and third job until you're exhausted, You can't be deep. You're shallow. And you're under law. Deep calls to deep. That which is in the depths of your soul that begins to cry out for the living God the depths of your soul that cries out, how do I know the way to heaven? How do I know the way to the Father? How do I know what to do, where to go? He said, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you've got to go through Jesus to get to the Father. And Jesus is in union with the Father. And we see what Jesus did, and that encourages us to go deep with him. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one believing in me, the works that I do, that one will do also, and he will do greater things than these because I'm going to my Father. In fact, whatsoever you may ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the the Son. If you may ask me anything in my name, I will do it if you may love me and keep my commandments. Oh, does that mean I can ask the Lord, give me a new car, Lord? No, because that's the shallowness of the human heart. It's not about a new car. It's not about money. It's not about the foolishness of this world. It's about the deep things of the Spirit. No. It's looking at the world and being so much in union with Jesus that you see his heart cry for that person who needs healing. Or you see that person who needs to be delivered from those drugs. Or you see that person in such need, and your heart goes out in compassion to them, and you know you're in Jesus, and you know that Jesus is concerned about that. And if Jesus is concerned about it, the Father is concerned about it. No, I have to tell you, I've read this passage of Scripture so many times, and I've wept over it. I've cried out to God over it. This is the test of my depth, my deep, or my shallowness. I want to go deep with Jesus. But I know I can't go deep with Jesus if I'm unwilling to let the depths of my heart be revealed to him and ask him, to do this work of bringing us into union with one another. You can't go out and by good works somehow become one in union with Jesus. This is something that Jesus must do in us and for us. But there must be a cry in our heart to be removed from under the law, to be brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, to be brought into union with the Father. Do you see why I've spent my whole life reading this scripture, praying over these issues? Let me read on. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may remain with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world is not able to receive because it does not perceive him 
or know him. In other words, the world is too shallow to be able to even see or perceive a Holy Spirit. They want a happy spirit. They want a kundalini spirit. Clap, clap, happy, band raging, music playing, let's dance, let's get all emotional. But it's all shallow tripe. No. We have to receive the spirit of truth, not the spirit of a lie. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because the world is too shallow. There's no deep crying out to deep. The world is not able to receive because it does not perceive him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Yet a short time, and the world sees me no longer. But you are seeing me. Because I live, you also live. On that day, you will know that I am in union with my Father, and you are in union with me, and I am in union with you. The one having my commandments and keeping them, that one is the one loving me. You want to know what the commands of Jesus are? Yes, the Decalogue. But the Decalogue is exploded in our understanding. It is explained in detail in Matthew, the 5th, 6th, 7th chapters, in what is called the Sermon on the Mount. The one loving me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Does your heart cry out like mine does for Jesus? Or are you absorbed in your money-making deal, in your entertainment, in your health condition? Are you consumed with everything of this world? Or does your heart cry out for Jesus? Does deep cry to deep in your heart? Do you want Jesus? Or do you want your fornication, your indecency, your lying, your stealing, your drugging, you're drinking. Do you want this world or do you want Jesus? You cannot have both. You're either under the law or you're under grace. And grace is never a covering over your sin. It is always one that exposes your sin and gives you the strength and the power to utterly have it cast out and broken that you no longer be under the law that you be under the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit really dwell in you? Or is it another spirit that dwells in you? The cry of my heart is for you. To come into the fullness of Jesus to enter his rest, his Sabbath rest, seven days a week. 
to acknowledge that you're no longer under the law. Many who say, oh, the seventh-day Sabbath is binding on the seventh day, and they think that they can go out and live the next six days doing their own work. That's Old Covenant. No, no. Christians are called to a seven-day Sabbath. Christians are called to no longer be under the law, but be under the grace of Jesus Christ to be washed and made clean. Now, I'm very grateful that you have listened today. We're out of time. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go on the webpage nationalprayerchapel.com and there you'll find you can give online. You can also find where we worship on Sunday and Thursday and you're welcome to come and participate with us. I love you, my brother, my sister. I know I've given a straight, straight message today. I pray it's encouraging for you. And I pray you will cry out to God about the shallowness of your heart as I'm crying out to God about the shallowness of my own heart. And I pray the deep of your heart will cry out to the deep of Jesus Christ. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.